This lady you don't want to miss. Join us on Bloody Mavericks where Sanity takes a back seat. Episode 2 is live. Lauren Lutensack, marketing guru and director of marketing of one and only Black Swan Group. You will learn how to embrace the failure, the secret behind McDonald's Golden Arches. How about tactical empathy? And much, much more. And I welcome you to Bloody Maverick Show. Hi, I'm Matt Mack and th this is Bloody Mavericks. We've got a special guest today, Lauren Lutensack. She is the marketing guru, the director of marketing in Black Swan Group, which is pretty a famous organization based on the world famous book, Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss and lauren is the person who is running the whole show and making you guys know who they are actually um, she is a great person with uh, amazing stories both on her personal side but also even further down the background line including parents grandparents and a big part of it being german descent in majority on one side little bit of Irish, little bit of English on the other side. Am I correct? Yep. Welcome, Lauren. Welcome. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure and thank you for coming such a long way from US, from Columbus, Ohio. Yes. Thank you. It was a long drive, wasn't it? Yes. Good drive, though. Okay. Why, why was it good? Just... Uh, I didn't get any speeding tickets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's definitely a, definitely a plus, hundred percent. Okay, um, I wanted to start with just uh, running with uh, some basic stuff. Mm -hmm. Because of your be uh, German descent, I brought some German, uh, like let's say, specialité de, de la maison. So things that I I I think there are really German, which first of all. For me, uh, we've got the w white wine, which is uh, a, a wine with uh, Maria, uh, the Holy Mary uh, on it. Uh, I think if I'm spelling it correctly, it's Liebfrau Misch, um, which is the wine actually that we know from Poland, from back home, which was one of the one of the wines that is, is and was really famous, uh, white wines, mm -hmm. uh, besides Riesling, obviously um but we also have salami and that to be honest with you that was the way i was introduced to salami it was through german salami interesting yeah yeah and uh, this is the german one made in made in canada because that's the <laughs> i guess the the most efficient way for storing and making food fresh right right um but uh, yeah for us to test it out uh do you want to sure. taste it? Let's try it out. Okay. Okay. And there are two different types of salami. Uh, they, they are the same type, different brands. So they will taste a little bit different. If you want to try. Sure. No. Okay. It's really sweet. 
I forgot how sweet it is, actually. <laughs> it's clean, though. It is. It's very clean. And I think that's the part of, of uh, German perfectionism. It's always the same. It's like they made it to the certain level and it's going to stay there constantly. The quality always going to be the same. So like, I think that that's one of the German things on my, like I, part of my family is German as well. So yeah. that uh, always been a big thing. Yeah, it's, it's, it is sweet, but it's very clean, which okay. is nice. Yeah. yeah. Um, so let's let's start with couple uh couple easy ones for uh, for a warm-up okay lauren can you tell me the mo the book that you read uh, most recently that you liked a lot or you learned from mm. it or now i have a question for you mm. fiction or non-fiction whatever you want to share i'm okay. good with all so the most recent book i read was called four winds mm -hmm. and it is a fiction history book and it was about the great dust bowl okay. in america which is right at the time of the depression and i remember growing up in school learning about the depression but i don't remember anything about the dust bowl what is the dust bowl so basically it's this time in the depression when there was no rain for like a period of three wow. years so out west all the crops died and um they actually had this coined saying like the okies because everyone okies. from like texas oklahoma uh -huh. okay. moved to and it didn't make a difference where they were from they just called them in the oakley mm -hmm. okies moved to california to work the farm fields over there because they couldn't survive in their lands and I had I mean I had no idea I felt like very ignorant because I was like what I don't remember any of this in history it, it so sounds pretty interesting it was pretty interesting and like if if the Great Depression wasn't enough they got the yeah no rain for three years crops dying probably people dying as yes. well in the same time because yeah. of that and and people like that were moving around became very um very impoverished and so and they were treated like um, very poorly mm -hmm. in california and they referred to them as the okies even though they were americans so wow it was it's very it was very eye-opening and interesting because mm. i definitely did not remember that from history class if we talked about it that's that's the peculiar thing about uh, school and history classes that uh, like if you just move a little bit you can it can be a state or it can be a small country like yeah. european countries which are equivalent basically right. of states in us that uh, the history change just a couple of kilometers one way or another it's going to be a different story about the same thing yeah totally yeah. absolutely well, that's okay that's a, that's a nice uh i would say we can have a nice segue back to your uh to your background okay. if, if you're fine with yeah, us starting it. there so can you tell me what do you mean what do you think or what comes to your mind when you think background what is it for you um i think it's a combination of things one it's your heritage it's also where you grow up um, and what you learn so chris has this saying that people are actually more in common with where they reside growing up 
than their actual heritage. Mm -hmm. For example, if you grew up in New York City and you always went to the same bodega, you might cross paths with someone that has a totally different nationality, but you have that common ground Mm -hmm. of stomping ground. And so you have that natural like connection with them. Okay. Um, even though you might not have the same heritage of where your history comes from. So it's kind of an interesting combination, I think, of the two. Obviously, like, your heritage plays a huge impact, but also, like, where you grew up, what you were around, what you were exposed to, all those different factors play into it as well. Yeah, there there are a lot of things, actually, that can have an influence on how we, who we are and who we become yeah uh, based on both as you mentioned uh us growing up but also in the old, like uh, in the mature uh years as well right so absolutely the i i think it's a little bit different that uh, when you are when you are already um, thinking and and mature human being you you look at the background and your heritage in a different way than you would as a kid right sure it's yeah. like, for instance, I remember the best in from my experience going with my parents around churches in different country. I, I wasn't really giving too much crap about that. Yeah, I was, yeah it was nice to see it. But uh, at the end of the day, how many churches or how many museums you, yeah. can, you can visit, right? But now the, the older I get, the more I want to want to understand and see and yeah and visit right yeah and it's interesting because as a child you only know what you're exposed to and as an adult you get to choose your exposure to things right. so it's a different perspective you have on that that's right so so from your perspective what if you could choose what you would be exposing yourself more to um well I think my parents did a pretty phenomenal job because they exposed me to so many different things. And as a result, as being a mom, I wanna expose my daughter to as many of those things as well. So um, I just think people get uncomfortable with change and things they're not familiar with. And the more times you expose yourself to different things and put yourself in different scenarios, the more comfortable you are with being uncomfortable, which is like amazing then because then it's the world's yours. It's basically uh, going outside of your comfort zone. Absolutely, right? 100%. So, yeah. That's how you grow and that's how you learn the most, right? Definitely. So let's dive in into your background. Okay. What do you think made you who you are and your background? What is important to you? What was important to your parents that you were, that they tried to transfer toward sure. your upbringing? I would say my parents definitely had a huge impact. Um, I have a very good relationship with my parents, um, which I think helps tremendously. They were parents first, and then as we became adults, right, they became friends, which is unique and special. Um, And so just the way they thought and set us up for success was huge. So, yeah. In what way was it huge? What way was it influential? Because yeah, you said that they they became they were parents first and then they became yeah. friends. But what specifically, from your perspective, was so influential in that? So my parents, um, I feel like I grew up in a very unique way. So my parents were very very much about like education, 
And to give you a background, my mom is science and my dad is science and math. And they are, my dad is um, probably the smartest dumb human you'll ever meet in your life. And my mom is the smartest and kind human you'll meet in your life. And um, we would be asked questions about like, how did you use the scientific method to solve your problems? So it just transforms the way you are thinking. Um, One of the things that they asked us almost every single day was like, okay, what did you learn at school? Great. Now, how did you fail at school? And how did that failure affect your decision-making process to become better tomorrow? Which is very odd, like question what you're thinking. But like, um, I think it changed the way that we thought. Like we didn't view failure as a bad thing. We viewed failure as by a result, like a way of figuring out something not to do so that we could do it better tomorrow or have a better result tomorrow or get closer to our end goal. My parents just like instilled this environment of creativity. So like we were um, allowed to do as many creative, dumb, stupid things as long as they were there and they were able to monitor it. And like they would much rather have us fail there and have a support system than go out into the world as young adults and fail and not know how to react or like shut down. So they set us up for failure so that we could, by failing, succeed. So it was just like a different way of thinking. And I know that was not normal. And I didn't realize that wasn't like what normal parents did until later on. So it's, it's so amazing to hear that uh, your parents kept that inside of putting you guys through because it's you and your siblings. How yeah. many siblings you have? So yeah. I have one brother okay. and then I have two younger sisters and I'm the oldest. So that definitely played a factor too. That's right. So yeah, it, uh, it, it is really interesting because uh, Besides going out of your comfort zone, that where, where you think about it, it's with going to where your fear is and failing yep. or, uh, in things, in, in variety of things, going to make you better doing it next time, right? Yeah, and it didn't have to be like a certain area that we failed at. Like, um, we failed at everything. We failed at sports. We failed at school. We failed at, you know, creating businesses. We failed at everything. And that was like encouraged because we were trying something. That's right. So, yeah. It's, it's like your parents uh, gave you a trampoline towards uh, adulthood. <laughs> so basically by learning that failing is not bad. Right. And uh, you learn tremendously just just going at it right yeah and uh yeah picking yourself up after you're falling and going again absolutely yeah and i think the other thing that was super interesting was we also indirectly learned that when we fail we still had people around us to support us so like if we failed like say i went all in on a business now i know that if i lost everything i would still have my family there to support me and so it would be okay if i failed like it's a it was just a unique thing to do. It is. It's, where where do you think it came from for your parents? Because that's like as you say, it's it's a special way of thinking about it. Because if you just compare it to anyone else, like uh, nowadays, parents are protecting their children for like basically keeping them in a cocoon. Sure. And, like don't touch the hot, don't get yeah. electrocuted, or and like. These are extreme examples, but in the same time, if you don't fall, 
of a tree, you will not learn not to go on it uh, to certain heights or yeah. whatever else. But like, you, if you are raised in an environment which is constantly safe, constantly protected, and kind of uh, sterile, mm -hmm. I would say, how can you be aware of of the world which is sure. really rough? Right. You look at it, right. Yeah. So I think that it honestly came from their parents. Um, for example, my mom's dad owned a pharmacy mm -hmm. and that was like to own your own business during the 50s was a unique thing. Um, and his grandpa had come over on a boat, worked his way over on a boat um, playing the violin. Do you mean like that's what he wow. did? Um and then just came here and just worked really hard and failed and failed and failed until he didn't fail anymore and got success. So like, it's just a numbers game is what it is. Like the more times you fail, the greater odds of success. Um, and same with my dad's side, my dad's dad was, um, a nuclear chemist and had so many patents on carbon that it was it was literally because he failed. He failed so many different times that he patented the way he failed so that when he figured out how to make carbon, like he was successful. So I think it was just instilled in them. And then it was crazy that my parents met and both kind of had the same like background in some ways. And then we're able to like instill that even further in us and just really lean into that. And as growing, yeah, it was, I don't know, different, but amazing. It, it is, and uh, the funny, when, when you say about this being patent, patenting the, the, the failing, mm -hmm. it's the first thing that comes to my mind is Edison and his thousand trials of, of the oh, yeah. world, right? Absolutely. It's exactly the same, the same approach to Absolutely. achievement. Like, I mean, I haven't failed 999 times, I found 999 ways that they did work. Yeah, and I think that really goes down to like my parents and the scientific method, right? Like the scientific method is you gather data, you make a guess, you test that data, and then you gather the results. And if it works, you test it again. If it doesn't work, you don't test it, and you continue to go around. And so both of my parents coming from this and their family coming from the medical, mathematical, science worlds, it was kind of instilled in them, and then it just continued to go down through generations mm -hmm. like that. So, so how is it being born into a like? In one hand, I want to ask because your parents are very scientific, both of them. Mm -hmm. And uh, but in the same time, I wanted to ask how is it being the the, the creative one because mm -hmm. marketing is a creative venture sure. you need to figure things on your own but then i basically answered my own question while you were saying about the you guys trying constantly and going after it and doing the creative absolutely things. so like um perfect example we were testing this thing on linkedin for marketing right and it wasn't working it's not getting the results okay so what do you do continue to do the same thing no you stop it go look at what results were achievable what you liked about it and then retest it again until you get a better result so even though it's in a creative field now like i'm testing graphics and copy and content it's still the same method of failure mm -hmm. and then how you res you know like take that failure and change it and retry so it's kind of the same thing 
And what's your benchmark for for failure? Like when when do you say enough is enough? And uh, I don't think you can ever say enough is enough. And I think that's still true even of my parents today. Because like when you say like oh I've had enough failure, you've basically given up and you're not growing. And then if you're not growing, you're dying. You know you're not. You know, age is like your body ages, but if you don't live, you can die at 10 and like be as old as a 90 year old that has lived or, or the vice versa, right? Like it's all about like, what did you do with your life and what did you live? So like, if you continue and you're you're 90, like my grandma, this is wild to me. Okay. She is 94 years old and she is in a billiard league because she wanted to learn how to play billiards in her 90s. And now she plays in tournaments, but like what 90, like, yeah. And she's also learned to play the chimes and she has a concert coming up and we're going to her concert at 94 years old because like, she's like, I'm here, I'm living. And this is another way I can fail. Right. Basically try these things. And then, you know, or there's someone else that's 90 out there or even younger. That's like sitting on the couch doing nothing. So it's just a different perspective. Yeah. Very often, if you just walk through the city or, or any place, literally, you can see a senior who is barely moving or mm-hmm. leaning on the wheelchair or uh, walking by the cane. And you can see the seniors who are doing, uh, or, I don't know, even Chinese movement or, yeah. or, or sports or playing. My grandma does or, yoga. Yoga at 94, and she's like, well, it helps my balance, so I'm able to move faster and stuff. And I'm like, 94 and doing yoga, like, it it gives me no excuse to not do yoga today, right? So, like, or get moving. It's amazing, yeah. It is, it is. Do you you think it's coming from that uh, attitude of failing, or is it instilled in her from something else as well, like, I don't know? So that grandma is my dad's side and she um, definitely grew up on a farm. And so like a hardworking, you know, like educated by all means. And, um, and her dad and grandfather were the same way. They were like always striving for better, whether that's failing at crops or whatever, but they are constantly implementers and of change mm-hmm. and becoming better. And that was true of their whole life. And that was passed on to my grandma. And then just, I mean, I don't think she ever gave up on it because she's still 94 and trying new things. So, yeah. I, I remember I remember you were saying that uh, in the questionnaire I asked you for to fill out in the beginning, you said that you, what you want to learn is uh, their mistakes and how they impacted the way you yeah. Uh, was you you were raised up and and how it influenced you? Is there anything specific that you want, would like to know about it, or any period, or any s- specific person's uh, experience that you know of, but just a little bit that you wanna expand on or or go deeper? Um, I don't. I mean, like. I just think of like so many different things that my family as a whole has done over the years and like it really goes back to like that mindset of like 
failure is good and like the scientific method because like for example my mom before she was married and had kids um was the lead chemist for Pfizer drugs and you know was developing drugs so like it just like her failures have impacted the world in so many ways because like they might have failed in a drug that was used for its first primary purpose that but is now being used for a secondary purpose so it's just it's interesting to me how it all works out you know what i mean like indirectly but like failure i don't know i think that the world thinks failure and like change are bad and that's not really true those are actually good things so Yeah. And, uh, the faster we grow as well. Yeah. And uh, I'm 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 trying to think if uh, is there any part of your heritage in specific nationality wise because we disc- we went through a little bit uh, or we went through your family history your grandparents your parents and is there any part of a nationalities like the German, the Irish, the yeah. English that you still want to discover? There are things, um, and my like lineage is I feel like super cool, and there's things that I know, and there's things I don't know. So, um, and this probably isn't surprising, but like my family lineage comes from explorers, which is kind of like go out and find right like scientific for back then um and then like the other thing that i think is super cool is like that my um i think it's my great uncle my aunt would know the answer to this exactly was part of the team that like helped to take down um like hitler and his group and they were like secret spies basically to like do so like there's lots of like really cool things in my past that Mm -hmm. And my family, like that, I don't even know the full extent of, which is like amazing. Or my grandpa, for example, my great grandpa, I guess that would be a great great grandpa, but that worked his way over on a boat, actually witnessed a murder on the boat. So, like, there's like, I don't know, I feel like there's a lot of different things that that probably came naturally to the, my family, like for like trying things and thinking scientifically about certain things, but. Um, and I don't know if that comes from my heritage or if it was just something that were was like instilled in us. So I don't know. Okay. All right. Yeah, it's a it's a interesting journey. The whole, whole yeah. background thing, right? Because you don't know how much like there are a lot of stories, but then then you stop for a second and try to understand how those stories could influence how my grandfather sure went about his life or did he like the one who was playing violin on the, on yeah. the boat was he more suspicious towards other people than yeah. now or or more careful about things going around him or did that make him stronger or yeah like, it's so it's like serious so interesting um, and unfortunately, some of those stories, like, we'll never know because, like, they've passed on. We're reading them through letters or journals or things like that. So we don't know all the details, unfortunately. That's right. That's right. It's, it's, 
uh, one of those things that with the generations and people mm-hmm. passing away, you lose some of it, right? Yeah. And it would be awesome to, to have that gift of keeping it for future generations as well, yeah. right? Because that's the story of our yeah. family and it's, it's important, right? Yeah. And like, um, this is one story that I love. This is from my dad's mom's mm-hmm. side. Um, and they were the farmers and she's the 94 year old, but like when her grandfather was, um, farming because of the farm equipment, the buses at that time, school buses weren't all the uniform color. Mm-hmm. And so it was hard to see like kids getting, getting on and off the buses. So he went to his local farmer's bureau and proposed that they make the buses yellow. So it's a different color and that they would all be uniform and so like they implemented that in buffalo new york area and then it obviously transpired through the united states but like it's so interesting to hear my grandma tell me this story that we like we recorded it because like i want to be able to pass it down to my grandkids or yeah it's so it's a small thing it's just the color it's crazy yeah yeah it's so interesting how like things like that that like could easily be lost if you don't re- keep a record of them kind of that's thing right. so yeah that's true that's true it would be would be really nice to find a way that all like all families within their own area or own group or or uh, between themselves they like people can record those stories and keep them mm-hmm. in like their own library as well right because like if you think about it the the mm, technical aspect is going forward we are growing as a civilization we are getting better equipment better microphones better cameras sure. and so on and so forth but at the end of the day we are not all camera operators we are not audio but at the end at, on the other side we all have a pretty strong computer in our pockets these days oh yeah Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. My um grandfather recently passed and I think this is one of the coolest things I've seen. There's these little QR codes that you can put on tombstones mm-hmm. and you can scan them with your phone and it plays like videos of them or like it tells a little bit of their story and I'm like that is so unique because you could yes. literally be walking through a cemetery and scan someone else's and be like, this person did all these amazing things and we don't even know who they are. That's right. So it's super interesting. It is a good idea. Yeah, it's a really cool idea, I think. So. That's awesome. Yeah. So let's, let's dive a little bit deeper from this perspective of your own family. Okay. From your uh, background and your family background, where, where you guys are coming from. And um, tell me, in your own, from your own perspective, if you look at the society or your your circles of influence or your group of friends, how how are you d- different? Hmm. From me growing up, or as an adult? Or both. You can go any any direction that you want. Like, what thing? What comes to your mind first when you think, "Oh, I'm different." And what's the way? You are? So, personally, right? Um, 
I think one of the coolest gifts that my parents gave me in this kind of go back goes back to the way I was raised I have this really creative mind and it just comes naturally to me like um art has always been something that I loved my parents have always instilled an atmosphere where I was able to explore that avenue whether that's like painting watercolors or studying sculpture or clay whatever that is but I also, because of my parents, have this very analytical science mind. So for years, and like probably honestly until I was like mid-20s, I battled this identity. Yes, because because they usually don't coexist. Yeah, logic and right. Yes. So like, and people that are creative don't understand people that are logical and people that are logical don't understand people that are creative and that's totally okay. But it wasn't until I married those two that I really decided like, and came into my own Mm -hmm. because, um, and marketing is a perfect example of that. Like you have the creative, you have like your graphics, you have your copy, you have the way you're pitching things, but then you also have the analytics right like who is seeing it what is the cat what is the click rate what is the open rate how long are is someone spending the time on the email what are where is their eye drawn right so when you marry those two like then you get this kind of like superpower where you're able to like build the bridge between like someone that like only cares about roi and then someone who only cares about like the aesthetic so, but when you build that combination, it's kind of unique and special. And I feel like my parents kind of allowed me to say, it's okay to build that versus like, you have to be in one or the other. What was the spark for you to, like you said, you, there was a moment where you married those two. What was the, the it was, mission? So my, it comes from my mom, a hundred percent. My mom is super creative, also super like analytical science and um to give you an example she was this fancy chemist right and now she teaches high school science programs and in her school in new york you have to pass a regents to graduate and her students are um living with disabilities and so it's harder for them to achieve that goal to graduate high school so she just has always thought differently for example like when she talks about cells she doesn't talk about them like with a diagram of like your nucleus your outer layer she has her students build tacos why because if they can build a taco they can remember it for the regions so like your flour tortilla is now your shell your cell and your nucleus is like your meat that you're putting in the center so it's just a different way of thinking and i feel like when i started to realize my mom was like this is okay to do it differently than other people think and then i was like huh it's okay if i do it differently then too so it was just a unique like aha moment Oprah Winfrey moment kind of thing where you're like, okay, like I can be completely different and be successful because I'm completely different. So was it like you was you were with your mom and at some point just looking at her how she does things just open your eyes? Yeah, I mean I feel like that's been like my whole life, but then there was a time when I was at McDonald's and we were trying to at this one store, which was in a not um, really a big 
quote-unquote McDonald's area. It was very green and granola and like um, cloth diapers and not what you would think of McDonald's. But then when you realize that like we're just pitching the wrong story and we're going to do things completely off the book that are not normal, that's when you realize you can get results. So like instead of saying like we have smoothies at our store, we started pitching we have vegan smoothies because we had vegan smoothies we were just changing the narrative and so like changing that and realizing like you can lean in and be completely different and be like creative and using those analytics like by changing that simple process Mm -hmm. the store went from an eight hundred thousand dollar store to like three million dollars just by changing a couple things that's amazing that you can there are life situations that you just transfer the knowledge and the experience and the background you literally just looking at your mom how she did yeah. into your own life and uh, that's that's pretty pretty amazing and it uh, connects nicely to the role that you have been playing in McDonald's that was one of your yep. uh, big ones that you uh, if I remember correctly you, you helped them out to grow pretty substantially yeah so what was your approach in, in marketing while being there besides like communication? Because that, that, that mm-hmm. was it, right? When you said you changed the narrative, basically you were pitching the same thing, but you were talking yeah. about it differently, right? Yeah, and so like there's lots of different things like um, just changing the way you view a restaurant for example like a restaurant typically in land of mcdonald's people think of like hamburgers right and french fries and kids meals right so for this one store we changed it it was in an area where people walked dogs so on a regular basis so we would have dog nights and we would have people bring their dogs and we would have micro these tiny little micro ice cream cones for dogs in the summer or apples depending on what they wanted or french fries right and you could bring your dog you buy a meal and then we feed your dog like a treat on the patio so just like and you're like that doesn't make sense for mcdonald's but but it did for that store it's and it's not changing any of mcdonald's like secret sauces or anything like that is just changing the way that we market to that area so basically uh, even though you were working for a big big company huge company and a lot of people are thinking that mcdonald's is selling uh, food and hamburgers and if you like Chris, uh, his, his favorite movie is about the founder, the, the Ray Kroc. And uh, I remember the question when I, I read it somewhere that there was a person who asked Ray Kroc or uh, were talk- was talking with Ray and uh, Ray asked him, what business am I in? And they said, yeah, hamburger business, you are in restaurant business. And mm-hmm. he's like, no, I'm not in the hamburger business, I'm in real estate business. Yep. And, um, if you look at it, that that that's the unique way of McDonald's as well. Because the mm-hmm. thing you look, you you see when you look at them, they are selling fast food, right? Right. They are all over the world, different places, but at the end of the day, they are not focusing on. Like this is not their main approach. Their main approach is real estate because of what he wanted to achieve. Yes. 
So for McDonald's corporate, they own all the land and they lease it to the owner operators. So they are in the real estate business. I mean, they are in the French fry business and all of that too, but they're making a significant amount of money off of real estate. This is super interesting in a way that you fit into the picture as well with your approach and your unique uh, perspective that like kind of resemble the, the Ray approach. Kind of, yeah. Because uh, he was, yeah, in one hand he was pitching hamburgers, but in the other, in the back of, back of the the whole, the whole picture of uh, uh, of the um, clown selling to kids and happy meals and all of that, there there is that huge, huge machine that is basically looking for the best places, best uh, properties in the whole planet. Yeah. To establish the base. And uh, in the same way, you were you were working for the hamburger company, but you were thinking how to do it differently depending on the location that it was in, right? Yeah, and I think that the key thing out of anywhere you work or anything like that is if you do things the same way, you will always get the same results. So if you want to grow or get better at anything, you have to be willing to try things from a different perspective or a different way. Because like what worked even 15 years ago is not going to work today. Yeah, it, you have to be willing to grow and you have to be willing to change. How did you manage to transfer that uh, perspective or that knowledge towards your bosses, supervisors, and like them understanding that we, for a second, we need to do something different. We cannot just copy paste the same. Sure. Yeah. So with like Black Swan, Chris is like totally game with like doing things differently right he wants to grow he realizes that you have to be in uncomfortable situations um anyone that works out right knows that in order to build muscle faster you have to actually break down and tear the muscle basically to be able to build it faster so the same thing is true if we took that approach to businesses like if you wanted to grow and grow at a fast rate, you might have to completely break down certain parts to be able to tear it down and rebuild it, knowing what you know now at a faster rate. That's true, that's so true. And uh, so what are you breaking right now to build it up again? <laughs> um, I don't know that I'm necessarily breaking thing, but we're testing new ways of marketing. And the same way that like the Black Swan group is constantly growing and striving for better like tactical empathy and better way of teaching people, the same thing is true of the marketing, right? We um we want to be able to help more people. And so in order to be able to help more people, we need to be able to reach more people. So we have to think of new and different ways of marketing to those people. Mm-hmm. So. So is there anything like that you have your eyes on right now that is uh, something that it seems so ridiculous that you want to try? In mm-hmm. terms of- There's lots of things that seem so ridiculous that I want to try, right? Um, my um, biggest thing for this year is 
it's kind of weird we're coming back out of covid right and so like we're having more live events and hosting in different cities and we want to grow to international right um because the methodology that they teach isn't something that applies just in the united states or just in North America, it applies to anyone globally. So we're doing ourselves a disservice if we don't make those resources available to people all across the world. And the world needs them to like, if you could build a faster relationship by using tactical empathy and have a stronger bond with people, why wouldn't you? So that's our goal, like to be a household name across the world with time that's amazing um it's like a lot of people have a misconception about the negotiations and uh, because there were some charlatans out there who were basically manipulating people Mm -hmm. and like there's there are people who are considering like neuro-linguistical programming and all of those kind of operations that and people kind of confuse things with negotiations and negotiations have been around for centuries just starting with the ancient times and greece and and rome and all of those um, but right now with the unique approach of, of black swan is like you want to build a, an empathical way of negotiating right so thinking about the 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 other side right yeah and i am not a coach so like this is like i have learned from the coaches but i will i'm not a coach and i will not be a coach so um i am just their marketer right so like i want the world to see feel experience black swan and so i i'm hoping to provide that door so that that coach can walk through that door and change someone's life I bet you. yeah yeah and you guys are doing an amazing job so in 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 that uh, respect what are the goals or how are you going about setting up goals for yourself or your team how mm-hmm. have you been doing it through your life when you were planning something? Yeah. So I, this is going back to my parents again, but my parents really instilled this model of like, you have to have a goal or you will go nowhere. Um, And with that being said, if you set that goal, think backwards on how you can get from the goal to where you are now. And most people think forwards, like, oh, if I do this step, that'll get me closer to my goal. But what if you're missing something? Your journey might be like this if you go that way, but if you go from your goal directly back to where you are right now, you have a more direct path. So it's like reverse engineering kind of? Yeah, for for your mind. And maybe that's what my parents were doing for our whole thing, right? Like it's setting us up for failure, setting us for, for thinking differently, setting goals differently, all of that stuff. So like thinking about the goal, like do you have like a model that you go about? Mm-hmm. Kind of, yeah. So like um, I set, and I set goals and I set stretch goals, stretch goals. because It's one thing to have a goal, but I want to go for the stretch goal if I can. So I like, if it's for followers, right? Or like influence or people like spending a certain number of time, I'll start with that range that in between that goal and that stretch goal. And I'll say like, okay, if I want to make this happen within 
three months. Mm -hmm. How do I get there? What are the analytical numbers that I need? So I'll divide that by three and then I'll divide it by however many days and I'll figure out, okay, like I need to have this many people reach this many new eyeballs Mm -hmm. every single day. So what steps do I need to take? So it's so manageable that I can reach that. Stretch goal, you mean going to the stars, or is it like stretch goal? Is it a goal but stretch by 20%? Yeah, kind of like that. So, like, it's like okay, for example, like in the past, we might have had X, we doubled our followers, right? Mm -hmm. Last year. Okay, so my stretch goal would be like to double our followers again plus 20%. Okay, yeah. And that's like, it's like, obtainable but it's going to be hard to get there yeah. right there so and yeah outside of your yeah comfort, yeah zone, right? exactly and then i'm not and i'm not disappointed if i land at my goal but if i aim for the stretch goal i'm more likely to be at my goal mm-hmm. and accept that versus like aiming for my goal and settling at 80 percent or 90 yeah. percent And it's okay if you don't hit your goal. Like people again, failure, right? It's okay if you didn't hit your goal. If you figured out why, or figured out a different approach, or changed, pivoted, Mm -hmm. right? That's totally okay. Chris says this. It's not um, bad to get a client. It's a sin to take long to get the client. So like that process, right? But um. And I'm probably butchering all his words, but the idea is like, if it takes you too long to reach that goal, maybe that's not the right goal. Maybe you need to pivot and find a different goal. Okay. Going back to like failure is not necessarily a bad thing. It's how you react to failure. That's yeah. the bad thing. Okay. All right. So basically the, the, the sooner you fail, the better it is. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Okay. I think, uh, from that point on, I want to segue to another part, which is uh, kind of important to the whole picture of, of the podcast, which is the discovery. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it connects to, to, to the background. Okay. And, uh, and you as a person being a curious person and yeah. the different things all the time and uh, creative uh, approaches to, to different uh, finding different solutions as well right and in if you think about any place that you can go to Mm -hmm. where would that be for what purpose any purpose whatsoever can be a country yeah basically if you think about like in the world in general where would you go Mm -hmm. what would you like to discover or multiple places Okay, so I think if I wanted to feel safe and loved, I would either go to my home that I grew up in or my parent grandparents' lake house. And that's because those are both scenarios where, like, regardless of what I've done or who I am today, I will have people around me to encourage me and say that it's okay. Mm -hmm. Now, if I wanted to go exploring, I would not probably go there because I've been there a million times, it's comfortable, right? I would say right now, I've never been to Thailand and I would love to go to Thailand. All right. 
I love it. Mm. It's an amazing place. Uh, Asia in general is pretty pretty different. Yeah. And uh, and just just remember, I remember uh, us landing in uh, New Year's in basically in the New Year's first uh, third January in Chiang Mai in Thailand, and just seeing the the Buddhist uh, celebrations of the New Year. It was it was completely different and eye-opening yeah 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 and i want to go to like the um indian um india and like the elephant sanctuaries all about like and which are both of those Mm -hmm. so like i don't know i just think culture is so cool talking about your background and uh, that's 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 funny because when you when you were talking earlier about uh, you merging those two parts of yourself the analytical and creative uh, for me the 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 change was when I accepted that I have so many nationalities in my veins Mm. which I was neglecting for so many years sure and that is what makes me who I am and how I yeah. view the world, right? And uh, probably that why uh, that's also the reason why we cannot sit too long in one place and they, we are moving so often. But uh, in the same time, yeah, I love discovery and yeah. 100% traveling around and seeing other cultures, discovery. Like, yeah. go, like even looking at how other people live their lives, regular mm-hmm. mundane, everyday activities and going to the to the market and going to work how they are traveling how how is the life and how cities live or countryside right yeah when i was growing up i was obsessed with learning all the information on native american indians and jewish culture and i don't know why but i loved i mean like i would read number the stars the book like all the time and then my parents like going off of that staying curious right motto they and i don't know how my mom did this when i was 10 we took a camper and we went i think it was like for two months ish across the united states and like just even in the culture of like navajo indians right like learning them and going to a rain dance ceremony for them and like we went to an old working ranch and learned how ranchers lived and doing all these amazing things in the united states so it was just such a cool experience yeah i remember us talking a little bit earlier about your mom having the unique approach even for uh, to to cuisine and oh yeah things all the time just to absolutely uh, to try but also to to teach you guys mm-hmm. uh, that there are way more things than than we see just around ourselves oh absolutely yeah like my mom had this approach that again like y- people aren't afraid of change they're afraid of things they're not comfortable with so like if you put yourself in as many uncomfortable situations as you can like then you will be okay with growing so like my mom rolling sushi or like making duck like things that like were not her natural like 
heritage or something that had been passed down, but like trying all these different foods and trying to make them in house and then sometimes failing and then but learning from it and making it again and that's okay. I remember I remember also the story when we were in Nashville together mm-hmm. and we were talking about you figuring out after a year that your par- your family is ca- it's kind of well off and you were grown up in a in a mm-hmm. perspective that you thought you were kind of poor. Right? Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, totally. Totally. My parents, my mom is, would they joke like my, her, my uncle's joke that she still has her money from kindergarten, her lunch money, because she's so savvy and saves every dollar and cent. Right. That like, we just always thought that, but I, yeah, I, we didn't know, like, um, my grandparents were really smart and invested in some really amazing companies before they were big. Right. But um, we just always thought we were just like broke people because like they saved everything and penny pinched and like really spent the money where um, they found value and like in investing in us to be able to go out west or, you know, other things. Oh, yeah. So is it really penny pinching or is it just being frugal and conscious where you spend the money? <laughs> Maybe a little. Of both. <laughs> okay, all right. Because at the end of the day, you have been traveling, right, around mm-hmm. around the whole U.S. and yeah. many different places, traveling for two months as a family. Yeah, that's, a, that's yeah. a big one. And U.S. is huge. It's not like traveling yeah. to Europe, right? No. It's uh, it and would be. I have no clue how my mom did without Pinterest, because we went and saw like the corn palace and i was like i don't know how she planned all this stuff i really don't so i have no clue other than like i don't know if you even know what this is right but they used to have with AAA, the travel agency they would have like these maps Mm -hmm. and you would travel this path on this map and then you would flip the page and your next map would be there so like she planned this all out and i'm like it's amazing me to me to think about it before the land of Google because we can like get on the computer and I could like type in like I want to see these 12 things or open an app that says like roadside America and you can find all these great places to go but that didn't exist at that point in time so I have no clue <laughs> like it's amazing to think about yeah all those uh, foldable maps and all, yeah completely different world than, than what we have right now right totally different so um, so going from the discovery and going from next point on map for you being Thailand and uh, thinking about the, the circle of influence and your friends and, and people who are around you do you feel like you have a like your own tribe tribe of people mm, yeah totally I don't think like life, in my opinion, and this is my un undoctorate, like not psychology opinion, is life was made for connection. Mm-hmm. And I actually have this like firm belief that if people were more connected, people would be less depressed. I don't know if that's that true, but my thought is if people are connected, they have a person to talk to. They have someone to do things with. They have all these amazing opportunities just through connection. And 
the other thing that I think is completely insane is that people feel like you have to agree with someone on every single thing to be like your best friend or connected. And that's just not realistic. And it's not healthy. And like, again, that goes from the mindset, like in my mind, I don't want all my friends to think like me because like, I'm not going to be able to grow if everyone thinks like me. You I want will not be able to fail in your yeah. process, right? Because no. nobody's going to undermine it or say, no, this yeah. is not how it works. Exactly. So like, I want to be surrounded by people that I think are smarter than me and have totally different worldviews than me because that's how I'm gonna grow. I wanna be the dumbest person in the room and I wanna feel connected to you and so you inspire me to be a better person. That's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. So on that note, like, what would you do to help others feel more like they belong or they are more connected? I think that goes back to like why I work with the amazing company that I work with, right? Like, um, I, like you tactical empathy is not about agreeing with someone it is making someone feel heard and if someone feels heard they feel connected so the biggest thing that i think that anyone could take away and this is learning directly from the amazing people that i work with right being the dumbest person in the room um is definitely the most modest in that room (laughs) (laughs) i don't know about that but is to be silent right like we and it's so hard it is like a skill that does not come naturally to me because i want to fix things i want to problem solve i want to work with you on this but if i am silent it gives you space to talk and space for you to connect with me and space for me to understand you better so i can support you and learn from you and grow with you It's a, it's a hard journey, uh, just being empathical. And I remember coming back, uh, it was a, a wow, aha moment for me as well in Nashville. During the, I think it was during the second day where we were talking and suddenly I realized that it is not only about the negotiations and it's not only about the business it was so relatable to the life Mm -hmm. per se and uh, for me personally it was really relatable for my relationship with the cat with cat and uh, how we struggle on the way with communication yeah because i'm not the best at it it takes me way longer to to change and to understand things i need to spend more time in understanding things and it was a, such a such a eye-opener for me that those skills apply to so many areas in life and at the end of the day I wasn't there alone who thought like that there were a couple guys who stood up and like how do I ask her and suddenly transferring from business perspective and I was talking about business negotiations and applying this to our professional lifetime suddenly we went into applying it to our personal relationships totally yeah i think that the skills and the techniques that black swan offers people are so transparent from yes they will help you to grow your company and close deals and all of that 
but they will also help you to communicate with your kids and have a healthy relationship with your spouse and just be a better human being. She's pretty cool. Yeah, she's pretty cool, but she's going to be going pretty far. Hopefully. Hopefully I'm going to have her fail so many times that she's pushed ahead. <laughs> true, true. I remember us even saying, talking about the credit card. You were learning yeah. her how to yeah. know about her finances. Being, what, seven-year-old now? Yep, seven-year-old and has her own credit card because she needs to know how to use money. And we don't, I mean, I don't have any cash with me today. And I'm in a foreign country, right? Technically. So like, but like I have a credit card. Yep. So she's got to learn how to use it awesome. and be responsible for it. Yeah. Even at seven. That's awesome. That's amazing. Like I know a lot of financial knowledge I have been learning by myself and I always been curious in that perspective in that areas. Um, I remember reading rich dad poor dad and thinking about my own family mm -hmm. and it was thunderstruck like i was thunderstruck by by it uh, and uh, seeing the resemblance and, and all the situations and how like what way the society has on us and the, the social impact on our own communities which are families that can really push us in wrong directions. And thinking about our house as the biggest asset, which is biggest bullshit there is actually, because until it's not paying you, you are paying for it, it's a liability, not an asset. Sure. Right, so, uh, so on that note, because you have a huge uh, family background of investing, let's say, mm -hmm. What is the, the vertical that you use or the way, creative financial way that you learn that you wanna, like right now looking at the perspective you would like to have it learn, like to learn it earlier, what would that be? So, um, I feel like you have to invest smart, mm -hmm. absolutely, but you also have to take risks, right? Because without risk, there's no reward. And going back to failure, right? So like, for example, I remember seeing my dad fail miserably at this. And he he bought a soccer team. Okay? Wow. Yeah. It, like a small semi-pro soccer team that later went under. But he was willing to take the risk. Mm -hmm. And it's okay. Like, it was okay to fail. It was worth the risk. It might have paid off exponentially. Yeah might have broken even, might have lost money. But if you didn't take the risk and try it, That's right. you didn't have the odds of anything. Mm. So now I do not mean go out and blow millions in the lottery, right? That's yeah. not a good investment. Or like go buy a bunch of cars or, or like Pokemon cards or, you know, random things. But if you are, my dad basically took a risk and invested in himself, mm -hmm. And it didn't work out and that's okay yeah. um 
one of the first things I did right after college because I had this crazy upbringing, right? Was when I was 20, I opened my own first, my own store and it failed. It totally failed. It made, it made it four years. It survived for four years. It did a lot of good, but at the end of the day, you close it and you walk away and you learn and then you go and do something else. And that's totally okay too. So, um, as far as investing, I think you need to invest smart, Mm -hmm. but like also be a little bit of a risk taker because those, one of those risks one day are going to pay off. That's right. So. I think, uh, looking at the life from the perspective of risk taking and going outside of your comfort zone coming back to the failure and going after and testing yourself out again and again gives you that that edge i guess because you fail like you open a business it fails but uh, the difference between the failure and the success is if you're gonna try again yeah and it's not it's not exactly it's not bad to fail it's bad to fail and do nothing with it or it's bad to fail and like be sorrowful for it and not start again that's what's the killer like if you my dad failed okay so then he took that money and he reinvested in something else and then he won do you mean like that's okay like it's okay to be in that boat life isn't I heard this recently and I was like this is so true right life isn't flatlining if you're flatlining you're dead but like when life is up and down you're living so like that's okay that's true I I would say from our own perspective as well the investment that we took or the risk that the which is really the more risk on our Mm -hmm. side uh, was leaving our own country and going to the one and going to the second and uh, in Kat's case the third one and us traveling trying selling different products while we were traveling to different companies didn't know the language didn't know didn't know the skills didn't know the culture but still tried yeah and um, succeeded to 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 some degree right yeah absolutely it's always just trying one more time yeah absolutely yeah that that getting up again on your feet and And using what you've learned to be make better choices for the next time or better tests for the next time sum it up with a couple um, questions that um, might be hard okay but might be might be interesting um, what question would you like to be asked more often mm. man that is hard I don't know. I know what question I would like to ask more often. How could I help? I think that is probably one of the most underused questions. And I ask that, um, I don't even know if my team knows this. I ask that after every time I close out a meeting. Okay, how can I help? Because if I put myself in that scenario and it's about staying curious, there might be so something so simple that they're not able to do, but I can help them do that. Mm. That sets us all further ahead. Try 
Oh man. Okay. What would what would you like people that are close to you that are not that close to ask you? I know that you are empathetic and you would be you wanna give a heart out to other people, but like if you could get something in that point, like Um I think people should check in on their friends more often. And I don't think you should ask, how are you doing? I think that should be a, the question you never say. I think you should ask things completely differently so it makes people stop and think. So, for example, like I would say to my friend, what color is your heart today? And they would be like, weird question. But I can usually gauge like based upon how their response is. Like if they say, my heart is blue. Okay, is it blue because you're like feeling freedom and you're like imag imagining the ocean and the sky or is it blue because you're seeing it as sorrow? So I think that um, just in general, people should check in on more. So maybe people should check in on me more. I don't know. Oh man. <laughs> what has been the greatest day of your life? Oh, that's easy. I can tell you that. Um, Mina. So Mina's my daughter and by far, like when you become a parent, they say your life changes. And it does because you are responsible for a human, but like that human you are also like inspired by and like you know all your faults and for me at least as a parent, I'm like how can I make her way better than me or how can I set her up for super success so and it's like this unreal moment of like a baby who knows nothing right at that time but you would like die for this child and like love this child exponentially say the biggest takeaway that I've learned from some very smart people is get comfortable being uncomfortable so one of the best advice I can give someone is if you are sitting somewhere and you are too comfortable at that table get up and leave the table you're not doing yourselves any favors by sitting there Put yourself in a scenario where you're learning something new um, in an intense conversation or somewhere that feels foreign and then learn at that table. So again, we are coming back to 
exiting exiting your comfort zone and going oh, to yeah. the newspaper. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That, I think that's going to be a takeaway from today's podcast. <laughs> Maybe. Going, going outside of your comfort zone and learning through that uh, approach of your parents pushing mm-hmm. you guys towards failure. Tell me, what did you fail? How did you fail today, right? Yeah, and, uh, absolutely. That's that's pretty pretty amazing perspective uh, to see because it's humbling as well, right? Yeah, very humbling. Mm. Laura. Yes. Thank you so much for uh, coming. Thank, thank you. you. For taking the time, and I don't know how you feel about it, but I think we're gonna meet here again. Oh, okay. Well, Matt, it's always a pleasure. Pleasure is all mine. Thank you, Laura. Thank you. Awesome. And it's a wrap. We dare you. If you are bold enough, hit subscribe, repost the rebellion, and don't miss out on next week's episode. It's going to be bloody brilliant. See you on the next one.